This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Okay, we're going to start, just to set the, uh, the, the tone, I would like to provide you with the context. Um, do we have, why is the light here? Chief, do we need some light here so that, light over there, or, yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Yes, I can see you better. <laughs> okay, um, so, let, let me read again this statement, uh, just to provide a context. Christians, can you see it by the way, clear? Okay. Christians should be preparing for what is, now notice, should be preparing. This is something that we are called to be involved in doing, right? Preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. Now notice, overwhelming surprise, okay? So in other words, as we go, you know, on our routine, doing things, something is going to happen in this world, and it will come as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by diligently, now notice what is said here, diligently studying the Word of God, and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. God calls for a revival and a reformation. So this is really the context uh, in which we are going to develop the theme today, revival, reformation. What is it really that God is expecting of his people, especially before the second coming? Now, I shared this yesterday, but just for us to be clear about uh, revival, what is revival, what is reformation, you know, for those who have join us today, a revival and a reformation must take place, she says, okay? And then, uh, under the ministration of the Holy Spirit. Now, the theme of this uh, conference is, fill me, and you know, um, people are calling on, to, um, on the Holy Spirit to fill, right, them, I mean. But, listen to what Ellen White says, revival and reformation are two different things. So we need to be clear, and I mentioned this yesterday, so I'm going to go fast on this one. Revival signifies a, re- a renewal of spiritual life, a quickening of the powers of mind and heart, a resurrection from spiritual death. And I was yesterday sharing with people here that it's possible to live in the church as Adventists, right, and be spiritually dead. Okay? So revival and reformation precisely is to reverse that ten. I mean, let's face it. Let's face it, friends. We are not doing very well. In spite of the rhetoric, okay? People are, you know, being very triumphalistic. Oh, you see, we are, um, I mean, we are growing lips and bounds. But where are we growing lips and bounds? Okay? There is a whole segment of the world, of world population we are not reaching, let's face it. Even right here in the Western world, in America, see, uh, people, uh, and this, this has many reasons, I mean, this um, has many causes, certainly, or reasons, but we, we ought to be aware 
of the fact that we are not doing really very well. Secular society is growing increasingly secular. Right? Adventists are growing, yes, in the United States, but who are we reaching? We are reaching immigrants. From the islands, you know, and so forth, so on. Yes. That's it. Right? In Europe, it's tragic. When you think about it, 38% of Adventists in Africa, and you have South America and Central America, but in our Western world, let's face it, there is a disconnect. No? Now, let me read something. It's not about method, about how we're going to do it. There are spiritual reasons. And revival and reformation is one of God's tools to wake up his people to reach out to the world. But how so? Okay, listen to this. You say, okay, revival signifies and a renewal of spiritual life, quickening of the powers of the mind and heart, etc. Reformation signifies reorganization, a change in ideas and theories, habits and practices. Reformation will not bring the, forth the good fruit of righteousness unless it is connected uh, to, of course, um, uh, connected rather with the revival of the spirit. Then he, she says, revival and reformation are to do their appointed work and in doing this work they must blend. Now notice, they must blend. Okay, let me move on to, I want to take you to another, to another uh, statement of Ellen White. Of course, um, I could stay here, but no, let me move on to, to what she says a little further. Because I shared this yesterday, I'm not going to come back to it again today. Uh, just one last statement here. Okay. Sorry. You saw this yesterday, so therefore I'm moving on. My apology for that. Okay. Listen to this. The peril of the last days are upon us, Ellen White says. Now, I did not share this one yesterday. And in our work, we are to warn the people of the danger they are in. Let, the, let not the solemn scenes which, what? Prophecy huh, has revealed be left untouched. If our people, now listen to this, if our people were experts in evangelism, now, if our people knew how to present the gospel, that's not, she says, if our people were what? Half awake. If they realized the nearness of the events portrayed where? In Revelation. Listen to this. A reformation would be wrought in our churches and many more would believe. So in other words, that people would believe is connected to revival and reformation. That's why I'm interested in this topic. Not because it is a new fashion and people talk. But listen, people have tried all kinds of things. But Ellen White seems to connect success in mission to revival and reformation. So in other words, God could bring many more into the church. Now, before even I finish that sentence, think about the early church. Jesus told his disciples, listen, stay in Jerusalem until 
you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses. In other words, this is not carnal techniques about how to draw people, how to attract people, how to entertain people. This world is full of religious entertainers. Even in our churches, and I'm not throwing stones here. You know, people go to church to be entertained. Many. Not to be transformed. Not to have an experiential relationship with God. But to have a good time. And as I was mentioning yesterday, if I want to have a good time, I will not go to church. I will, there are some entertainers, experts in entertainment. They can make you laugh, even weep, and you name it. All those things. But we come to church because we are a family of God. And we come to, yes, uphold God. Worship is centered on God, not about us and how we may feel or may not feel. But how to uplift God. It's something completely, you know, even if the worst preacher is in, in town, I will still go to church. Because I'm not there for him or her. I am there to show the angels that God matters to me. It's a different perspective. But, now, notice though what she says, let not the solemn scenes which prophecy has revealed be left untouched. And then, she talks about events portrayed where? In Revelation. So allow me to talk to you a little bit about the book of Revelation. I know many people have told you or maybe convinced you that oh revelation is so complicated you have to be an expert in order to understand but those are lies actually i need to i need to share something first let daniel what speak let revelation speak and tell what is truth but whatever phase of the subject is presented, what? Uplift Jesus as the center of all hope, the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. Right? By the way, this is just the continuation of that, right? About many would believe, but what is our part? Let Daniel speak. Let Revelation speak. But in, and this is very clear, you know, uh, whatever phase of the subject is presented, uplift Jesus as the center of all hope. Now listen to this now. Because we talked about revival and reformation and how it is connected to mission and, and, and success in mission in particular. Listen now to what she says. When the books of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have what? An entirely different religious experience. They will be given such glimpses of the open gates of heaven that heart and mind will be impressed with the character that all must develop in order to realize the pure in heart. I mean, this is really clear. Notice, when... You know, we talk about revival and reformation. When will it happen? A key 
factor in the process is when the book of Daniel and Revelation will be better understood. So why is it that some people would, would want to convince us that, you know, it's only for experts, uh, you know, the book of Revelation is too complicated. Anyway, that's not true. And I would like to submit to your attention this morning why these prophetic books are critical for us waiting for the second coming. Let me read one more. Satan, now notice, has blinded the minds of many so that they have been glad of any excuse for not making the revelation they study. Satan has blinded the minds of many. So in other words, he has used people to convince many, you know, oh don't study this book, it's too complicated, it's not for, you know, but Ellen White is very clear. Now notice what I've done so far, revival and reformation is God's calling, it's a must. And then she even says, when really people will be revived and reformed, many will believe. It's not about technique. How am I going to share this? How am I? No. Many would believe as the result of our spiritual condition. Connection to God. You know, <laughs> in many areas, and that is terrible, and that's Satan's work by the way. To, to, to try to convince people, oh, go to this expert, go to that expert, listen to this one or that one. No, no, no. No, we don't need that. And actually, this is not my topic today, but the, the topic that I'm most interested in, uh, in the area of mission is to demonstrate that every follower of Jesus Christ is a missionary. Amen. Every one of them. By the way, Sate, uh, Ellen White calls this a fatal mistake, and if I have time I'll come back to it a little later. A fatal mistake to believe that the work of saving soul is only entrusted to the ordained ministry, so-called. It's terrible. Okay? But now, since I want to focus my attention this morning on prophecy in particular, and in connection to the condition of God's people, what kind of people God wants to see before the end, notice uh, Ellen White says, when Daniel and Revelation. So let me give you probably a snapshot before I get into the topic of what these books are really all about in the first place. So, let's start with the book of Daniel, a simple approach. You know, uh, sometimes we make these things so complicated, but it's simple. And Ellen White is clear, whatever God wants his people to know is clearly stated in scripture. <laughs> we may speculate all we want, but what really God wants? Now. Uh, okay, let's enter the world of the book of Daniel. What do we have? A simple approach sometimes, uh, well, could be this way. And let me share this just briefly and then I'll come back um, and spend more time with the book of Revelation. The book of Daniel, you find several losses. Hmm? Uh, maybe I could just illustrate this and be brief. Think about this. Losses at a local level and God restore at a cosmic level first they lost what the kingdom meaning King Nebuchadnezzar 
came and did what? Conquer Judah, right? So the kingdom is lost. Guess what? Not only the kingdom is lost, <laughs> the king is deported, right? And, right? Even if you have not read the book of Daniel for, uh, uh, you know, for a long time, this you would remember. Also, you would remember that the temple is destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. Right? I mean, clearly. And if the temple is destroyed, what happens? The sacrifices stop, right? The priest cannot function. So therefore, the whole atonement for God's people stop, right? Somewhat. Then, so that's number one, two, three. Number four, the people themselves, they lost their autonomy. What is the book of Daniel? The book of Daniel is in reality God's response to the needs, local, I mean God's universal response to the local needs of God's people. For example, you could imagine Daniel and his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. God, restore please our kingdom. God said, Daniel, you know, okay, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I am not interested in restoring a local kingdom. What I have in mind is to bring in an everlasting kingdom, and that is prophecy, Daniel chapter 2. We're not going to go into detail because that's not the purpose here. But chapter 2, you know, the stone, the kingdom, everlasting, that's direct response. But a universal response. God say, there will be a kingdom that will not pass under the domination of another one. Over. I will establish an everlasting kingdom. And you know that this is why Jesus came and is coming again. Alright? Two. God, restore our king. I'm not interested in a local king, God said. The one who will rule all people, nation and tongue, he's coming. Prophecy, Daniel chapter 7, the son of man. They will be a universal king, in other words. Right? So, how about the temple? Lord, our temple is destroyed. What then? We cannot offer sacrifices. Listen, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I am not interested in a local temple built by, built by human hands. So what happens? Daniel chapter 8. Sanctuary in heaven. With the high priest, by the way, officiating in the sanctuary in heaven. Good news. The prince of the host. And this is the the one that the little horn tried to usurp. His his prerogatives. I mean, who says that this is complicated? That nobody can understand this? 
Think about this. Then, how about the sacrifices? Daniel chapter 9. He will, chapter 9, he will, in the middle of the week, you know the seven week prophecies? In the middle of the week, he will offer sacrifice once and for all. That will cause all other sacrifices to cease. Okay? And then, how, the priests, chapter 8, atonement, and then how about the people? Well, Daniel chapter 10 to 12, Gabriel is sent to tell Daniel, I'm, I'm, I've been sent to tell you what is going to happen to your people. And when we come to chapter 12, you know what happens chapter 12? Michael stands up. He's not sitting. Standing on behalf of God's people. And, and this is where, uh, at the beginning of chapter 12, this is where we have something connected to the theme that we talked about yesterday, righteousness. Many people, righteous ones, will lead other people to righteousness. Daniel chapter 12. And that's mission by the way. Okay? Bringing other people to better appreciate their destiny with God. Now, uh, and of course, uh, Daniel is given an assurance, you know. He, he is told that he's going to sleep, but there will be resurrection. He will resurrect at the end of the day. Some will resurrect for everlasting life, other one with shame or, or contempt. But notice, the book begins with death, exile, and with life, reunion. Good news. Good news. And we can tell people about the sovereignty of God. Nations, I mean, think about it. Huh? Uh, look at history. This is where we have something to say. Regardless if the person is atheist, uh, I mean, everybody ought to know that God is sovereign. History is not just blind because God somewhat is leading events to fulfill his purposes. Okay? Egypt was a world power. And then Assyria. Babylon, you know, and when they were world power, they thought they would never cease. And I mentioned yesterday, Babylon, the you know the head of gold, they wanted the whole statute of I mean of gold basically. But and of that one, and then of course uh, think about it, the meat and uh, the meat and the Persians, and then the Greeks, right? The Romans, Byzantine Empire, and you could continue the Mongol, the well the uh, Arabs. Uh, first and then the Mongols, the, the, uh, the Turks and then the European nations. But at the end of the day, the kingdom is coming. That's why I'm an Adventist. <laughs> Adventist. I am a person of hope waiting for Jesus to come and to establish what he already prophesied in terms of the kingdom that will not pass under the domination of another one. This is the reason why when Adventists do not share the prophetic word, well, we lose our identity. We cannot just follow what is going on in the world. Preaching to entertain people. 
We ought to tell people what is going on, God's purposes. Yeah? And this, each one of you can do. You can share these things. Not waiting on a so-called expert to... No, no, no. God wants you to tell people that you are a person of hope, part of a people of hope who are sharing a message of hope. Now, let me move on because of the time we have um, I need just something to erase Chief, do I have something to erase he, uh, to er- the board? yes now let me just jump and, and of course we could expand on this just stay in the book of Daniel you know today but notice why Ellen White says because I'm just developing that thought now when God's people will understand what is going on in Daniel and Revelation, they will be, we will have an entirely different religious experience. That is what we have just read. Now, uh, let me... Huh, how, how would I do this? Hmm? Oh, okay. Alright. So, let me then uh, start telling you about the book of Revelation. Let's jump there. So the book of Revelation, what is blessings on you? Yeah. In the meantime, let me see if this will work. No, it doesn't. Okay. All right. I didn't have the right one, it seems, but okay. Uh, let me just move on. So when, when they will come out, maybe we can use this to just... Okay. I'm sorry? Water on the paper towel. Water on the paper towel? Okay. We, we need experts in these things. So, <laughs> thank you very much. I'm sorry? I don't know if it works. Well, we'll try. We'll try. We'll try. No problem. Okay. Now, let's, let me then just start introducing you the book of Revelation. Again, while they solve this problem, yes, just do whatever you have to do and I'll continue speaking. Just, <laughs> okay. Now, Think about this. Uh, don't look at them. Uh, stay with me here. <laughs> they are solving a problem, but now, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, think about the book of Revelation. Tell me, do you remember when Jesus died? A.D. What? Thirty-one. So, when he died, of course, his apostles, you know, inspired by the Holy Spirit, started to write. Right? So we had, you know, epistles, we have the gospels, so we could say, oh, you know, they are still looking at them if they are going to solve the problem. Forget about them, you know. So, <laughs> okay, so think about this. Uh, uh, the gospels were written, the epistles were written. We knew about the life of Jesus. We could say, okay, Lord, it's enough now, we have your word. That was, oh, think about it, he died in A.D. 31. 65 years later. 65 years later, we're talking about now A.D. 96. Jesus decided that he has a book to reveal. And that is the book of Revelation. He wanted us to have this book. Wow, we need a, 
We needed a whole army here, okay. <laughs> so think about this. He wanted, he was intentional for us to have this book, the book of Revelation. Now, let me thank you very much. I, 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 I guess we can now use it and survive, no problem. Okay, so he decided to reveal it to his apostle, the apostle John, on the island, in exile, island of Patmos, okay? Uh, but why? What is the book of Revelation all about? Why was Jesus so intentional, right? I mean, about giving this book. Future. Hmm? Future. The future. The future. The future. Yes, certainly. Certainly. But let me just share with you a few things. If somebody, well, maybe I should tell you this first. If somebody stops me in the street, anywhere, and asks me, Ganun, that's my name, tell me, in one sentence, what is the book of Revelation all about? I will plead for at least two sentences, okay? <laughs> I, <laughs> I will tell the person, listen, the book of Revelation was revealed to prepare God's people and the world for the second coming. Why would I say that? Now think about this. The first prophecy of the book, Revelation 1, first prophecy then, right? Prophecy is about the second coming. Well, maybe I should do it this way. I'm doing better than all those people, huh? Wow. Okay, so let me just do this. So, chapter 1. This is the second coming in the book of Revelation. Chapter 1. First prophecy about the second coming. Right? The last chapter of the book. Last promise. And by the way, what is this prophecy? Behold, he is coming, right? With the cloud of heaven. You know? So this is the, but the first prophecy of the book. Second coming. Last promise. This time it is not behold. This time it is surely. I am coming. So then, the last promise. Oh, let me just put it this way. The last promise is also about the second coming. Guess what? The last prayer of the book of Revelation is also about the second coming, right? Come. When he said, behold, or, or surely rather this time, I'm coming soon. The church prays, come, Lord Jesus. And guess what? This is the last sentence. The last prayer 
the one who testified to these things, verse 20, says, Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the prayer. And then the book ends. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Okay? Now, so this is chapter 22. Well, 22. Okay, so then let me decide it this way. Okay. Now, at the heart of the book, chapter 14, guess what it talks about? Right after the three angels' messages. We only, sometimes we think about the three angels' messages, you know, first angel, second, but after, after the messages, what do we have? Second coming. Christ coming to harvest. So again, here, at the heart of the book, we have the second coming. Alright. Chapter 19. Let me just go fast now. Chapter 19. The one called the Word of God. Right? Mounted on a white horse. Okay. The letters to the seven churches, two and three. Several times, behold, you know, keep your crown until I come. Be faithful until I come. So the second coming is all over the place in the book of Revelation, in other words. I know this is not a class where I have to go through all the details, but think about this. First prophecy, last promise, last prayer, at the heart of the book, the exhortation just all about the second coming and actually when you look at in between what is happening all this prophecy are heading towards the second coming how can I say that think about this in the book of Revelation and by the way this is very easy to remember you have four series of seven hmm? seven letters to the seven churches seven seals seven trumpets and seven what? Plagues. Right? So let me repeat this. Very easy to remember. Four series of seven. Seven letters, seven seals, seven trumpets, and then seven plagues. But guess what? Something very interesting. In the series of seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Something happened. So we, we, we say, by the way, oh, letters, seals, trumpets, and then plates. Okay? Alright. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, first of all, notice what is happening here. Uh, this, by the way, these are chapters 2 and 3. These chapters, basically. Okay, look at what is happening. At the beginning of each series of seven, there is a scene related to the sanctuary. Or, sanctuary scene. Let me just put this. Square, 
you know it is a sanctuary sin okay easy the, at the beginning of the series <laughs> to the seven letters remember Christ is walking in the midst of what? seven what? golden lampstands what is that? sanctuary and by the way Christ is described as having a long robe that is podere in Greek and in Hebrew male that's the robe of the high priest so Christ is walking as the high priest in the midst of the seven churches are you with me? he is walking in the midst of the seven churches and by the way I'm going to tell you more about the seven letters because this is the message of the spirit to the churches <laughs> you see uh, and I'm going to just um, give you a foretaste of what I'm going to develop in the second section that is uh, the spirit is speaking to the churches by the way Christ at the beginning he says this says the one who walks in the middle and at the end of each letter let the one who has an ear hear what the spirit so who's speaking Christ or the spirit well God is speaking okay so the spirit says something now people uh, even sometime in our wonderful themes Lord fill me with you you know what for and sometimes we want God to, God to fill us but we, we don't want to listen so yes we have to pray to be filled but we also have to listen to what the spirit is saying to the churches because otherwise it is just for personal power personal whatever achievement or you performance or you name it it goes together you know and you will remember that um, you know the book of Samuel the one who is disobedient even his prayer is an abomination Okay? So listening to God's word is essential. Essential. Now, okay. So, Christ in the midst of the seven churches, sanctuary scene. Bef- the seals before, at the introduction, the sanctuary is open, the heaven is open, right? And we have a throne room scene. Sanctuary scene. B- before the trumpet. The introduction of the trumpet. What do we have? An angel with the what? Censor. Sanctuary scene. Okay. Before the plagues. Now, it's so obvious. Before the plagues. Let me just open with you Revelation chapter 15. Okay. Um, Chapter 15. Right after the three angels message and the second coming. Listen, Listen to this. Um, verse 5 before the plagues we are told after this I look and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony where? in heaven was open sanctuary scene again I mean systematically right? and then of course we have uh, and out of the temple the sanctuary came the seven angels with the seven plagues now Okay, so far, notice we have what? Four series of seven. We have at the beginning of each series, what? 
a sanctuary scene. Just wondering if you were following me so far. Okay? Then, a phenomenon. I mean, something interesting. The letters to the seven churches are uninterrupted. They are a whole unit together. Uninterrupted. But, for the other three, each time before the sixth and the seventh, there is a pause, a break, interlude, a parenthesis, however you want to call it. Think about this. Each time, systematically, and I can say, this with the seven letters are most likely the most important things in the book of Revelation. You know why? Because this is the preparation of God's people for the second coming. There is something I did not tell you earlier. I was rushing to, but before, just to illustrate this, just to illustrate this. Remember what I told you about the book of Daniel? Right? The book of Daniel, we have basically these prophetic chapters. Chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, 10, 11, 12. But what about the other chapters? Chapter 1, chapter 3, 4 and 5, and 6. What about them? These chapters are showing us the kind of attitude God wants to see among his people. So they should not be neglected. Many people read the book of Daniel just, you know, rushing to those prophecy. Yes, I want to understand what is the mystery of... But God wants also, wants us to have the character. Notice here, actually. Um, look at what Ellen White says here. When the book of Daniel and Revelation are better understood, believers will have an entirely different religious experience. They will be given such glimpses of the open gates of heaven that heart and mind will be impressed with what? The character <laughs> that all, not some, all must develop in order to realize the pure in heart. Why? Because re remember the beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart for what? They shall see God. Okay? All these things are tied together. And it's wonderfully pieced piece together. Okay? So, those chapters in Daniel are very important. But, you know, it's not our... Think about it. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. You know? Etc, 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 etc. Prayer, connection with God. Regardless, no matter <laughs> religious persecution, you know? They wanted to prevent him to pray. He continued. Right? I mean, etc., etc., etc. They wanted him to bow before, I mean, them to bow before a statue. They said, you know what? Our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not be disloyal to him. Isn't that beautiful? That beautiful? You know? Uh, I must tell you, uh, uh, I'm even more sensitive to these things today than I was before. Because of, uh, and I share this with you, my new job uh, is making me look more closely into an aspect of Christianity that we neglect. You know what is that? Persecution and suffering, and even martyrdom. Do you realize that 200 million Christians are experiencing restrictions in religious freedom? 
Many of them persecuted, martyred. By the way, my brother, I, I, I must tell you, I thought about you uh, in, um, in September because I was preparing uh, uh, you know, uh, a document precisely on how Christians are persecuted around the world. And I remember, because he was a missionary in India and experienced himself. So, and when you experience these kind of things, Christianity is not a theory. You realize you have to stand for God regardless of what it might cost you. You know, so anyway, so I, I praise God for people like you. I mean it. You know. Now, think about this. Daniel stood and God's people are called to stand. Guess what? <laughs> and I told you yesterday about the United Nations. These people want peace. Wonderful. You know, uh, eradicate poverty and all this. I mentioned to you the eight millennium development goals. You know, all those things. Wonderful. But, Jesus said, poverty will be with us until he comes. Wars, rumors of wars, persecutions, they are going to increase. Let's, you know, that's, that will be... So then we ought to be ready to understand suffering, you know, martyrdom, uh, persecution and all these things in the light of the what God gave the Adventist church and our major contribution is about the great controversy. What is happening behind the scene? And we can give people hope, share our hope and say, you know what is happening to you? It's not because you are a bad person. You are, you, you are being tried. Not because, you know, but because precisely you are connected to Christ and Christ has an enemy. And as I was telling you yesterday, his overarching goal is to separate us from him. And God is looking for champions today who will stand for Christ regardless of the circumstances. Because there's something happening behind the scene. So imagine, you know, Job. Huh? There, was, there was a reality he wasn't aware of. But he had to stand for God. For us too. Loyalty to the end. No matter what. Regardless. Champions in the last days. This is what God is after. So, this is not just for me, like, coming to share some technical thing about, oh, wow, you know. No, 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 no. It is to boost your commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, think about this. Why I was saying that these are very important. Notice, you, you have one, the first seal, second, uh, until we get this to the sixth, then all of a sudden, it is interrupted. There's a pause. What for? Because God wants to seal his people. So the sealing, a whole chapter 7 is devoted to talking about this. Who will be sealed? Before the seventh seal. So that's why it is important. It is a good question, right? Because ultimately, and when you look, if we had time to compare this with the sealing in the book of Ezekiel, you know? God is after this. Who will be sealed? But this is why we Adventists. These things matter to us. That's why, notice what NY say, preparation. Preparation. You know, the, in, the, in the previous, intentional about 
being prepared for the second coming. Now, there is something else here. Okay. The, the trumpet, one, two, three, four, five, six. Pause again. And this time, two chapters. Chapter 10, chapters 10 and 11. <laughs> Before the seventh trumpet. By the way, let me just show you this. This is of interest. If you have your Bibles, some of you, and, or as I say to some, if you have memorized it, fine. Um, okay, think about this. The sixth trumpet. Sixth trumpet, first. Chapter 9, verse 13. When the sixth angel blew his, blew his trumpet, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates so the four angels were released who had been held ready for the hour the day the months the year to kill how many a third of mankind okay a third of mankind please just jump with me to verse 20 the rest of mankind who were not what killed by this plague notice this is amazing. They did not repent of the works of their hands of, or give of worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk and they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, of their fornication, of their theft. Now notice, twice they did not repent. Twice we are told they did not repent. Now at this stage we could say, okay, alright Lord, now okay, you see a third is killed, the rest, of course, not, not including the faithful to Christ, they did not repent, so therefore, Lord, come. No. Chapter 10, John is commissioned, saying, you must prophesy again. In other words, in other words, God wants to give the world a last chance before it is too late. And notice something really remarkable. This is the reason why the Seventh-day Adventist Church exists. We are God's messengers, agents, last agents of compassion because God wants to save the world. Because it will take the two chapters, by the way, until, uh, look at chapter 11 now, verse 15. Now notice, we read chapter 9. Chapter 10 is the commissioning of John and Adventists understood uh, their identity, the early Adventists, based on chapter 10 precisely. You know, the book, uh, you know, the great deception and so forth. So I'm not going to go into all that except to tell you verse 15, chapter 11. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, what? The kingdom of this world... Huh? has become the kingdom of our Lord and, and of his Christ and he will reign forever and, and ever this time we have the fulfillment of the prophecies of Daniel that is <coughs> finally the kingdom established and the king reign, reigning forever and ever so what does it mean? clearly the seventh trumpet also and I didn't tell you that earlier is the second coming Right? The kingdom now is established forever. Finally. But before that, 
God's people are commissioned to share the good news. Agents of compassion. That's why we are Adventists, friends. Not, you know, this is not about comparison. We're better than others. No, no, no. Absolutely not. That's not, that's not even an issue. The issue here is that we are commissioned to. Now, interestingly, if you go to the, uh, the, the, the plagues this time, hmm, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, same phenomenon. And then you have mentioned to be, let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 16, just you know, before the seventh angel pour this, okay, the, okay, now listen to this, the, uh, chapter 16 verse 12, the sixth angel poured his bowl on the great river Euphrates and its water was dried up in order to prepare the way of the kings from the east. And I saw the three false spirits like frogs coming from the mouth of the dragon. You know, there's something I'm not going to develop here today. But there's something interesting. You have three angels, three messages sent to the whole world, right? This is why Adventists are proclaiming the three angels' messages. But guess what? If we do not, or, you know, or simultaneously you have three spirits of frog going around the world also trying to gather people. So counterfeit gospel. Demonic things happening in this world prior to the second coming. Now, but let me put, uh, and then he says these are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world so as to assemble them for the battle of the great day of God the Almighty. And then verse 16, in this, context, uh, in this context, see, or behold, I'm coming like a thief. Again, second coming. Blessed is the one who stays awake and is clothed. Yeah. In other words, there is an attitude that is expected. Revival of God's people to stay awake and guess what? Clothed, of course, with the righteousness of Christ. I mean, you have everything in scripture. But sometimes people, you know, want to go about, you know, new books about this, new books about that. If it doesn't get us back to the scripture, then we're missing something. See? Uh, So, then we have here, and they assemble to the place and so forth. Uh, So, what what am I saying? Here, revive, awake, and close with God's righteousness. All right. I guess there's something I must do now to respect the timing. I must give you a break of five minutes. (laughs) And what we will do right after when we come back is to, you know, like look. Yes, I'm going to remind you. Then what is God expecting of his people? Who are sealed? You know, what are the criteria for being sealed? How about mission? What are we sharing? How about being revived, staying awake, and being closed here? And then we will look at what the Spirit says to the churches. Since the Spirit is watching over the revival, you know, and this is a spiritual activity from God's Spirit, we will have to look at the letters to the seven churches. 
what is it without which Christ will not will not be happy with his people he, will, he says he will remove the lampstand except, and he gives some encouragement also to some of these churches so we will look at that and I will just go with the powerpoint presentation you know, to go faster but I wanted to lay the foundations for you to see that there is more to the Bible than meets the eye and sometimes we're satisfied with just some, you know, like, uh, uh, anyway, surface things, whereas God has given us much, so you are rich of the word. So may God just open our eyes to better appreciate what he has entrusted to our care in these last days. So please take five minutes to refresh, drink something, and then come back. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.